Daniel chapter 1. We started this morning on the message about Daniel and his decisions, and I want to finish that tonight. So we just use your notes that was your insert in the bulletin this morning, and uh, continue to fill those out. I'll review a little bit so that we can get uh, caught up. Those of you who were not here this morning or were in other parts of the building or ministry this morning as well. Daniel and his decisions. We all make decisions, don't we? You made a decision to come to church tonight, amen? That's a good decision, wasn't it? To be here and to be in the Lord's house. Most of us have made a decision to trust Christ as our Savior. Somewhere along the line, the Lord brought us to the point where we understood we were sinners and we decided to trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Many of us have made a decision to dedicate our lives to serve Him and to live for Him and, and just to, to be a, a committed, dedicated Christian. And those, that's a decision sometimes we have to make many times in our life to keep us on track. Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we know them, were men who made the right decision. They, they were willing to say no. They were willing to follow the Lord's ways, and even though they were in captivity in Babylon. And this morning I mentioned the fact that the sins of Judah had caused them to be carried away into captivity, there were two things that God dealt with in their life. First of all, the disobedience to the Word of God. Whenever we disobey God's Word, it always results in consequences. It results in God dealing with us in that area in our life. In Israel, God had told them to set aside a Sabbath year and let the land rest every seven years. Just as God created in six days, the seventh day He rested, He told them six years they were to farm the land and so forth, and the seventh year it was to rest. And that's a principle that God established way back in the Old Testament. And it's one of the principles that we as, a, as our world today has forgotten and neglected, and consequently our soil is depleted of many of the minerals. We have a lot of problems, a lot of things we have to pump into the soil to try to get it to produce the crops that we want it to. But they did not listen to the Lord, and for 490 years they had no Sabbath year. 490 gives, you divide that by 7, there were 70 Sabbath years that they had failed to obey the Lord. And so God allowed them to be taken into captivity for 70 years. They disobeyed the Word of God. Secondly, they were taken into captivity because of a departure from the worship of God. You know, whenever we disobey God's Word and when we depart from worshiping God, it always has consequences, bad consequences in our life. And they had turned to the pagan gods around them and the pagan world. And so God allowed them to become captive in the pagan world of Babylonia. And there they were with the, the idols and the false gods that they had come to love. And the Lord took them there until they would turn back to God and to worship the true and the living God. Every young person faces a threefold crisis in their life. Daniel and his friends face those crises. And we face them in our lives today. First of all, we said there was an authority crisis. There was an authority crisis. Who are we going to believe, God or the devil? We have that same choice today, don't we? We struggle sometimes believing the lies of the devil. And we have to understand that we can take God at His word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we must take God at His word and believe His truths and not the lies of the devil. There was an authority crisis. And then there was also a morality crisis in verse number 5. Will they follow the devil's theories or will they follow God's truth? 
And we face those morality crises in our world today. The devil wants to change our appetite. He wants to get us to have an appetite for the world and not an appetite for the Word of God and the things of God. And so all the things that go on around us, there's so many things that pull us. There's so many things that, that uh, brainwash us and develop those appetites for the world. And God wants us to have an appetite for the things of God. So there was a morality crisis. And then they also had an identity crisis. Will we go with the crowd or will we follow Jesus Christ? Will I be identified with the world or do I want to be identified with Jesus Christ and with his crowd and following his ways? And that's what God wants us to do. And here were four young men. Of all the captives that were taken into Babylon, there were only four that are mentioned in the Bible. I don't know why the others weren't mentioned. It may be that they, that they compromised. It may be that they were not willing to pay the price or to take a stand. But we know that Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach are mentioned in the Word of God because they stood for the truths of the Word of God. They made the right decisions in their life. These Hebrew boys were different. They were given names that were different. Every one of their names is a form of the name of God. Daniel means God is my judge. Hananiah means Jehovah is gracious. Mishael means who is he that is God. And Azariah means the Lord is help. So they were given names back in their homeland that identified them with the true and the living God. Now they're captive in Babylon and the King Nebuchadnezzar wants to change their name. He wants to take away any reminder of the true and the living God. And so he changes their name to Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The name Belshazzar means Bel, protect my life. Hananiah means, I am, or Shadrach means, I am fearful of God. Meshach means, I am despised before my God, little g. And Azariah or Abednego, the new name, a servant of Nebo. Now let me ask you a question. The king changed their name and gave them these Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. By what name do we know these men? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The names that Nebuchadnezzar gave to them. You see, what Nebuchadnezzar was doing... And what the devil wants to do in all of our lives is he wants to take away any reminder of who God is and brainwash us and get us to follow the ways of the world around us. So these young men and everyone else, they were trying to remove any commitment they had to God. And that, as I said this morning, that happens in our universities today across America. Young people go to the universities and many of their professors, their main goal is to pull you away or shake your faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to make a decision. Are we going to follow the Lord or are we going to identify with the world? Well, Daniel and his three friends, they were called to make a threefold decision. They had to make some decisions in their life, just like you and I have to make the decision. First of all, it was a heart decision. It was a heart decision. Look down with me at verse number 8. You know the verse there. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. He made a decision. He purposed. He did this on purpose. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And I don't want to get off on a 
rabbit trail tonight, but let me just say, the king's meat, and I'll say more about that in, in, in a minute, but he would not defile himself with the wine which the king drank. There was a reason for that as well. But let me just say this. It's a good thing for a, a young man, a young woman, to make a decision early in life that they'll never, never, never drink the alcoholic beverages that the world has to offer. I don't say this in any way as a prideful thing or boasting because I know it's the Lord, but my dad was an alcoholic. I had several brothers that were alcoholics. I can say that in my life, I'm 71 years old, as far as I know, I've never taken a, a drop of alcoholic beverage in my life. And God has kept me. I have no desire. I, don't, I, I, I have no plan on it. I'm thankful that God protected me from that. When I was a young boy, my dad used to take my brothers. There were, I had five brothers, myself. We used to go to jail on Sunday afternoons, and dad would preach, and we would sing. And I saw what alcohol did to those men. When I was in college, I pastored a church in Chatsworth, Georgia. In our church, the jail, the county jail, was just a few blocks from our church. And we would go over there every Sunday afternoon, and we would have a service there and preach. And we had some amazing experiences in that jail. But I saw what alcohol did to those men. I had one man one day got mad at me for what I said something he didn't like. And he, for some reason, had a jar of peanut butter in the jail. And I don't know if he's making a peanut butter sandwich or what, but he threw the jar of peanut butter at me. I'm glad the, jar, the bars were narrow enough that the jar didn't come through, but it hit it and shattered it, and I had to pick pieces of glass and peanut butter out of my Bible. Several months later, a man came into our church one day. It was during the week. We're not, it wasn't service time. And he came in, and he introduced himself, and he said, Do you remember me? I said, No, sir. He said, I'm the man that threw the jar of peanut butter at you in jail, and I just wanted to come by and apologize and tell you I'm sorry. We had a man one Sunday, or one Sunday in the service got saved in the jail. And he said to me, he said, Preacher, he said, would you go tell my wife this afternoon, would you go tell her that I got saved? Their daughter had been riding on the, on the bus to church, and many times she'd get on the bus on Sunday morning and and she'd be crying, and she'd say, pray for my daddy. He came home drunk last night, and he beat up my mama. Pray for my daddy. And he got saved that day, and he said, would you go tell my wife? And so I went to his home, and I knocked on the door, and I, I told her, I said, your husband got saved this afternoon in the jail service, and he wanted me to come and tell you that. And she said to me, she said, you see that house? And she pointed at a house across the street. It was three or four houses down. She said, in that house are the parents to an evangelist by the name of Ed Ballou. Some of you might know of Ed or know him. Um, Wayne, Thompson, or, or Wayne uh, Thompson was here this morning, and he told me, he, or Wayne Armstrong, he knew Ed Ballou. And uh, she said, that evangelist's mother died this week. And I went to the funeral, and she said, I got saved at that funeral. So I got to go back to the jail and tell her husband that his wife had gotten saved. I had a man one time in jail and he said his wife, she had been driving somewhere and she was drunk. This was back in, before car seats and seat belts and all that sort of thing. And She ran, went around a curve in the road and she was so drunk, somehow the car door came open her baby fell out of the car. And she backed up to get her baby and ran over her own child and killed her own child. And just saying, I've seen what alcohol can do to people. 
Make a decision in your early days never, 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 never to take a drink. Stay away from it. Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the wine that the king drank. It was a heart decision. All real decisions are heart decisions. We make them in our heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart, guard your heart, protect your heart. Daniel's Babylonian masters could change many things about the life of Daniel. They could change his homeland. They could change his diet, what he was to eat. They could even change his name, but they could not change his heart. And I hope that's true for every one of us that will not allow them to change our heart. What we are in our heart is what we really are. That's the real person. And nobody can change our heart unless we let them do it. This heart decision, first of all, was an individual decision. It's an individual decision. Again, verse number 8 says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel made his decision. He made that decision in his own heart. It's an individual decision. Just like salvation, nobody goes to heaven because your family are Christians. You don't go to heaven because you go to church. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going into a garage makes you an automobile. Amen? It's a personal decision. I remember my youngest brother one time when he was real little, my dad asked him, said, John, when you die, are you going to heaven? And he said, oh yeah, I'm going to heaven. And he said, well, how do you know? And John said, well, when the rapture goes, takes place, I'm going to grab hold of your legs and I'm going up with you. <laughs> well, he didn't understand back then when he was real little. But it's an individual decision. You have to make it for yourself. You have to choose for yourself the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And every decision we make in, along the way, we make it for ourselves. I talked to a man this week, and he was talking about the church he was involved in, and he said it was my parents' church, but then he said it became my church. Your faith may be your parents' faith, but somewhere along the line, young people, it has to become your faith. You have to make the decision to follow the Lord and to live for Him. It was between Daniel and the Lord. And it's between you and the Lord. The decision to be pure and to keep your life pure. The decision to have a daily quiet time. It's a personal decision. The decision that we make about pornography and alcohol and drugs and, and church attendance and the kind of music we listen to. All of those are individual decisions that every one of us must make in our lives. Daniel's decision and his friends were made under extreme pressure. And it was not easy for them. They had all kinds of pressure. First of all, they had cultural pressure. You know, this world in which we live has no desire for God, do they? The world doesn't care about God. They want to downplay. They want to, just like here, change the name, take away any connection with the true and the living God. No matter what the world says, for us as Christians, it's what God says that really matters. Amen? We are following Him. We do not get our standards from the latest opinion poll. We get our standards from the Bible, the Word of God. The world said to Daniel, go along, conform. But God says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. So they, they faced a cultural pressure. They also faced peer pressure. There are only four young men that are mentioned in this passage, as I said earlier. Where were all the rest? Four of them didn't bow to the peer pressure 
around them. There are those that will just go along with the flow, just drift with the tide. There are those that will never be included in God's Hall of Fame because they were not willing to take a stand for God. I can imagine the conversation that went on in the dormitory at the University of Babylon when Daniel and his friends were there. I can just hear him, Daniel, we're a long ways from home. Nobody will ever know and nobody will ever care what you do. You ever hear that? Nobody will know. You know, the devil's a liar, amen? amen? He loves to tell us nobody will ever know, and then when you do it, then he comes back and says everybody knows. You can't go back to church. They all know what you did. He's a liar. And I can imagine them saying, Daniel, nobody will ever know. Come on, Daniel, it's just a little thing. It really doesn't matter. Daniel, let's don't get legalistic about it. You can carry that too far. Hey, Daniel, it might not be strictly kosher, that meat and that wine, but it'll give us an opportunity to witness. We can't witness to somebody if we offend them. I can just hear their talk. Our, our children face peer pressure in school, those that are in the public schools. They face peer pressure sometimes in a Christian school, and sometimes even in church we can face peer pressure, can't we? We as adults face peer pressure at work. Sometimes you face peer pressure in your own family. Sometimes we have to face it even in church. And so they had to deal with the cultural pressure, they had to deal with peer pressure, and then they also faced fear pressure. They faced fear pressure. The pressure of circumstances and consequences. What would the king do if he found out that Daniel refused to drink the wine and eat the meat? You see, in that day, nobody, nobody disobeyed and went against the rules of the king of Babylon. Anyone who denied the king would pay for it dearly. And so they had to face the pressure of fear. What will happen to me if I don't do it? There's a price to pay when we decide to say no to the world and yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. You may get a lower grade in a class. You may not get the promotion at work. You may get excluded from the in-group in your work or in your family or in your community. So in spite of the pressures, Daniel said no. He made his choice. And there's a solid scriptural reason why Daniel said no. There was, for instance, the way the food was prepared. You see, the Jewish people were told and taught the Mosaic Law how to prepare their food, and much of this was probably prohibited back in Leviticus chapter 11. We won't go back to all of that. You can read it later on. But they were defiling those certain types of food, and they were not to be eaten by the Jewish people. And so Daniel, the way the food was prepared, he would have been defiling the law of God. In Babylon, in that day, we're told that all of the wine that was drunk was offered as a toast to the gods. Now you understand why he wouldn't drink the wine? It was offered as a toast to the gods. And all of the meat was offered in worship to Bel Meredek or one of the other gods of Babylon. And so to eat that meat and to drink that wine meant a sacrifice of spiritual convictions and it meant that they must acknowledge a pagan god, and Daniel said, I will not do that. I serve the true and the living God. 
He made up his mind to do what God wanted him to do. There's much evidence in the Bible that Daniel knew the Bible and that he had a personal quiet time with the Lord. In fact, we're told that he was thrown in the lion's den because three times a day he got alone with God and prayed. I believe that there was a time every day that Daniel meditated and studied the Word of God and Daniel prayed to his God. And from that spiritual reservoir in his heart that he had, he drew convictions that helped him to make the right choices and the right decisions when the crises came. You see, if we make decisions and determine, I will not do certain things and I will do certain things, then when the crisis comes, we've already made the decision. We don't have to decide whether we're going to do it or not. It's already settled in our hearts and in our lives. So important that we understand the importance, as Daniel did, of that daily time with the Lord in His Word every day. Daniel made an individual decision. He had to make that decision. You see, everybody else was eating the king's meat. But Daniel said no. Everybody else was drinking the king's wine. But Daniel said no. Daniel said, I won't do it. He had the courage to stand up and say no, even to the king. When your friends are all drinking young people and they urge you and try to get you to join in, they'll tell you a little drink won't hurt, just a little bit won't hurt you. You've got to be able to say no. And keep on saying no, over and over and over. And, and if you'll do that, you'll stay sober for the rest of your life, and you'll be glad you did. Some years ago, I heard Brother Hiles, when he was still living, tell the story about when he was a teenager. He went out one night with several guys, and they were driving around, and one of the guys reached under the front seat and pulled out a bottle of whiskey and took a drink. And he handed it to the next guy, and he took a drink. And he handed it to the next guy, and he took a drink. And he handed it to the guy behind him, and he took a drink. And the guy in the middle back seat took a drink. And they handed it to Brother Hiles, and he said, I took that bottle of whiskey, and he said, I lifted it up to my lips, and as it touched my lips, he said, I jerked it away and said, take me home, I'm not going to take a drink. And they took him home. And he said, when I got home, I went in the front door, and mom was still awake. It was one o'clock or so in the morning. And she said, Jack, she said, where have you been? You haven't done anything that would displease the Lord. You haven't disobeyed the Lord. And he said, mama, he said, about one o'clock, one of the guys reached under the front seat and poured out a, pulled out a bottle of whiskey and he took a drink and passed it to the next guy and the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. When it got to me, said, Mom, I lifted it to my lips and I pulled it away and said, I can't do that. I won't. Take me home. And his mama began to weep and she said, Son, it was one o'clock in the morning when I knelt beside my bed and began to pray for God to protect my boy and keep him from evil so that he'll not take a drink and not do something that would displease his Lord. We've got to be willing to say no, even to our friends, even when they urge us to do it. The same is true about the drugs, and the same is true about the sex. If we're willing to say no, we'll never become an addict. Just say no. I remember years, a number of years back when the police had that statement, you know, that, that the little saying, just say no. And that's a good one for us as Christians to learn, to just say no and keep on saying no. And when you get married, you'll be pure. You'll be glad you did. Let me encourage you young people, learn to use the word no. Make up your mind as an individual to do what's right. Someone wrote these words a number of years ago. 
You're starting, my child, on life's journey. Along the grand highway of life, you'll meet with a thousand temptations. Each city with evil is rife. This world is a stage of excitement. There are danger wherever you go. But if you're tempted in weakness, have courage, my child, to say no. Be careful in choosing companions. Seek only the brave and the true. Stand by your friends when in trial, not changing the old for the new. When by false friends you are tempted, the taste of the wine cup to know, with firmness and patience and kindness, have courage, my child, to say no. Just say no. So this heart decision for Daniel was an individual decision. Secondly, it was an influential decision. It was an influential decision. In verse number 9 in our, in our text, the Bible says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And he goes on and says in verse number 10, And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear the Lord my king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. Notice this, For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. You see, Daniel's decision had an influence even on this prince that was over him. And he said, why should he, the king, see your face worse? Do you know people watch us as Christians? They want to see what we do. They want to see what we look like. And what we decide will influence other people. Many of you guys who are oldest brothers in a home, you don't realize the influence you have on the rest of your brothers and sisters. Learn to say no. Learn to say yes to the right things. When we say yes to the wrong things, we'll lead other people into sin. I know I'm dating myself, but years ago on TV when they still had cigarette commercials, they had a commercial that was trying to get people to stop smoking. And they had a farmer out there one day. He was smoking, and he's standing there, and he has his foot up on the log, and he's smoking his cigarette, and his little boy's standing beside him, and he's pulled a weed, a long weed out, and he's got his foot up on the log, and he's got that weed in his mouth, acting like his dad. See, your decisions are going to affect other people. They're going to affect what they do. If you say yes, it may lead others into sin. If you say no, it may influence others to live for God and to serve God and to do what is right. So it was a heart decision. And then it also was a humble decision. It was a humble decision. Daniel was an unusual man. He had hard, strong convictions, but he handled those convictions in a humble way. Notice, first of all, the abstinence that he requested. In verse number 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The abstinence he requested. Daniel had a gracious attitude. You know, I'm thankful for people who have convictions and take a stand, but it's sad when people who call themselves fundamental Christians have to be mean-spirited and unkind. That's never right in the sight of God. We're told to be kind, tender-hearted, and we're to forgive one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. We ought to take a stand. We ought to be firm. But we ought to be very careful and gracious and humble. And Daniel humbly requested of the prince 
that he would not have to take of the king's meat and the king's, the king's wine. We don't want to turn people away from the Christian faith and its standards by our rudeness and by our crankiness. We want to be kind and loving and sweet in the way that we hold to our convictions. Now I want you to notice something. Daniel purposes, but God was already at work. Look at verse number 9. Now, what's the next word? God. You know, there's another little phrase sometimes in the Bible that will say something, then it says, but God. And that's sort of the same idea here. Here's Daniel. He purposes, and then it says, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. See, he goes to the prince of the eunuchs, and he says, he requests that he won't have to do this, but God had already been working on the prince of the eunuchs. You never know when you have to make a decision at work and you have to go talk to your boss and say, boss, I can't do that. Boss, I can't work on Sunday. Boss, I can't. God may already be working on that boss's heart. When I was in college, I, I was, took a job at Zare's department store. Some of you remember Zare's. It used to be one up here on Dixie Highway in Fort Wright many years ago. And my roommate worked there, and I was looking for a job, and he said, oh, they're hiring. And I said, well, they were closed on Sunday, so I didn't have to worry about that. But, but we had prayer meeting on Wednesday night, and so I told him, I said, I'll take a job if I have to work on, on Wednesday night for prayer meeting. He said, well, you'll never get the job. And so I went and applied, and, and uh, when, they, when I was filling out the application, talking to him, I said, no, we have prayer meeting on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And I said, I need to be able to go to prayer meeting. And the guy that interviewed me, he said, that's fine, that'll be your day off. I mean, it's nonchalant, nothing to it. We got back, I got back to the dorm, and my, my roommate got off work and came home and said, I got a job today, where? There. I said, guess what, Wednesday's my day off. He couldn't believe it. And then we had a, we had a missions conference in November that year. We, all, we always did then. And, and so I went in, and I talked to my department manager. And no, I worked in the toy department in November's busy time leading up to Christmas. And I, I told him, I said, we're having a conference, missions conference. I, I said, I, I'm not going to quit the job over it, but I said, I'd like to be able to be off every night to go to the missions conference. And he said, well, there's no way we can let you off. And I said, well, is it okay if I talk to the store manager? And he said, sure, you can ask him, but he's not going to let you off. And so I went back to see the store manager. I told him what was going on. We were having a missions conference, and he said, uh, he, he picked up the phone and he called my department ma manager in. And he said, hey, he said, uh, change Tim's schedule so that he can be off every night. And I was off every night of the missions conference. I worked one night. I worked Friday night. My, my roommate that worked there at the same store, I felt so bad for him because he had to work every night. So I worked Friday night so he could have a night off. But I'm just saying, I believe God already worked on their hearts before I ever went to talk to them. And sometimes when we're afraid to talk to somebody about something, don't ever forget God may be already talking to them. Be kind, be gracious, and see what God's doing. But notice this, Daniel's request was denied. Look at verse number 10. The prince of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse likening to the children which are of your, of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. So in a sense, this prince says, I can't do that because you're going to put me in danger. But notice with me the alternative that he suggested. He gave him an alternative, verse 11. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, 
and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in that matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat of the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. You see, Daniel said to, to the prince, he said, put us to the test. He didn't defy him. He didn't have a mean spirit. He said, he said would you test? Would you let us prove ourselves? Put us on a vegetarian diet for 10 days and check us out. Because I believe Daniel believed God would honor his decision to do what was right. Notice what happened, verse 15. At the end of the days, 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh. Now, I know some of you already are saying, I don't want that diet. I don't want to get fatter in flesh. The world's going to take a look at our countenance. They look at our face. They, they want to see if there's a difference in our life. You check people out 10 or 20 years down the road, those that live for the devil and those that live for Jesus, and look at their faces. You'll notice those who live for the devil, you'll see the signs of sin in their face. You'll see the deep grooves in their face, the guilt, the emptiness in their eyes, the darkness of their eyes. That's what the devil does to us in life when we choose to go his way. Notice the sparkle in the eyes of those who have chosen to go God's way. The courage and the conviction will shine in their countenance it pays to serve the Lord. And Daniel made a humble decision, and God honored his decision. And then notice, not only was it a heart decision and a humble decision, but it was also an honored decision. It was an honored decision. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30 says, Them that honor me, I will honor. God says, if you honor me, I'll honor you. And Daniel's decision was honored by the Lord. First of all, it produced a spiritual revelation. In verse 17, it says, As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and, all, and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. God gave them a spiritual revelation. You see, learning is just simply the acquiring of facts. But wisdom is the ability to know how to use those facts. These young men were studying different subjects at the University of Babylon, and God honored their decision to be true and faithful to Him by giving them learning and wisdom and knowledge and skill. He gave to them discernment so that they could know how to use what they were learning. They were able to take full advantage of their education because God gave them the understanding. God allowed it to make sense. You ever take a class in college and you got through with it and you, you thought that was a big waste? It just doesn't make sense to me. I know some of you are saying that's all my classes that I took. <laughs> the problem with secular education is it leaves out spiritual, the spiritual dimension. Secular education can teach a person how to build a great building, but not what to do with it after you build it. Secular education can tell a person how to have a healthier body, but not how to live with that body after it's healthier. Secular education can give a person a head full of facts, but it cannot give a heart of peace. It cannot build eternal relationships that come only from choosing to do things God's way. God was at work in these lives, in these young men. Do you want to be smarter than your teachers? 
You want to be smarter than your teachers, guys? Are you already smarter than your teachers? Don't you dare say yes. <laughs> Study Psalm 119. Every verse makes reference, with the exception of three or four, to the Word of God. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all about the Bible. Look back with me just a moment to Psalm 119 and verse 97 and 98 and 99. Take your Bible and just open it in the middle, and you should be at Psalm. Psalm 119. Look at, look at verse 97 and 98 and 99. Listen to what the Lord says there. Psalm 119, 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Do you love the word of God? Do you meditate on it? Look at verse 98. Thou, through thy commandments, through the word of God, his commandments, has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever before me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. David said, because I meditate on the word of God, I, I'm smarter than all of my teachers. You want to be smart? Meditate on the word of God. Amen. David said in Psalm 1 verse 2, in his, in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Think about the Things that Daniel had to go through. And God gave them a spiritual revelation. And then he also gave them royal elevation. He gave them royal elevation. Look at verse number 18. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, that the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. So now here comes, here comes these four men. They're brought before Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 19, the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. Verse 20, And all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. They put him to the test, and they took him through the three years of training. They bring him before the king. I can imagine the nervousness of these men as they come before the king. They were probably scared to death. The king himself is going to ask the questions. And it was, when it was all over, they were at the top of their class. They were ten times better than all the rest that were there. And the king elevated them, put them in positions of royal authority. You see, it always pays to do what God wants you to do. It always pays to make the right decision. It always pays to say yes to the Lord and to say no to the devil. And then lastly, it produced personal continuation. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, look at verse 21. Last verse of the chapter. It says, and Daniel, what's the next word? Continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Daniel lived all the way through the Babylonian Empire and on into the Empire of Persia. Think of all the infighting that goes on in high government circles. Think of the attempts that were made along the way by jealous peers to try to sabotage Daniel's position. We know one time they tried to get him thrown into the lion's den and they were successful. Think of the numerous changes of administration along the way. When all of that was gone... Daniel was still there, and he was still at the top. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 17 says, The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The personal continuation. You want God to bless you? You want God to continue to use you? You say no to the world. You make the right decisions. Decide now to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and do it for the rest of your life. And God might use you like he did Daniel. There were two sins that caused Judah to be put into captivity. Disobedience to the word of God and departure from the worship of God. Well, I'm glad we have the Word of God. Amen. I'm glad we have a church where we can worship God. There was a threefold crisis. They had the authority crisis. Who are you going to believe, God or the devil? They had the moral crisis. Will we follow the devil's theories or God's truth? They had identity crisis. Will we go with the crowd or will we follow Jesus? And they made some decisions. It was a heart decision, it was a humble decision. And God honored their decision to do what was right. What kind of decisions are you making? Have you purposed like Daniel in your heart not to defile yourself with the things of the world, but to be faithful and true to your God? I trust that you have. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for the example of Daniel and Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. And though the Babylonian king tried to take away anything that would connect them to their God, they decided to be faithful to you and follow you. Lord, I believe our world's going to keep getting worse and worse. And every one of us are going to have challenges and decisions to make along the way. We'll have to choose which king we'll follow. We'll have to choose whether we'll say no to the world and yes to God. May we purpose in our hearts, I will not defile myself. May we make some decisions in our life to do what's right. And may we follow them through for the rest of our lives. May we stand before you one day and hear you say, Well done thou good and faithful servant. We ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.